Warning, Money's Crazy Mind contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised, but will be completely ignored. Welcome to the podcast about everything and nothing all at the same time. This is Money's Crazy Mind. Good moment, everybody. Hello and welcome to Money's Crazy Mind, the podcast about everything and nothing all at the same time. I know it has been so long since I've been able to get in front of this microphone and talk to you guys. The end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 have not been very kind. Um, You know, that moniker of being an essential worker is still very, very, very much alive and kicking here now a month and a couple of weeks into 2021. And I'm currently in the middle of a 13-day bender at my job with no day off in between. But I was on my way home and I said to myself, you know, I just got to record, you know, I got some things on my mind that I want to talk about. And one of these ideas I'm just going to get into kind of briefly because we're going to touch about it on my other show for the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters Slime Square. And that is this, Um, you know, I get it. COVID is still very, very rampant in the country and movie theaters have not been allowed to reopen yet and ghostbusters afterlife the follow-up to ghostbusters 2 37 years in the making from the original ghostbusters 32 years in the making from ghostbusters 2 um has unfortunately been delayed yet again it was originally slated to come out in july of 2020 july 10th Then it was pushed back to March 5th of 2021, so a date we haven't even hit yet. Then it was pushed back again till June of 2021, June 10th to be exact, so the same weekend that the original movie opened back in 1984. And now it's looking like November 11th is going to be the day that Ghostbusters Afterlife is going to be released and shared with the world. Am I disappointed about this? Of course I'm disappointed about this. I am a huge Ghostbusters fan, and as a member of the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters, it's obviously a slight obsession of mine. And we, you know, as members of the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters, we go out, we support our charity, A Special Wish Cleveland, and we do things to try to, you know, raise money for them. We go to events, you know, we host fundraisers. Uh, We're currently uh, planning a raffle that we're going to try to do virtually to help raise a little bit of money for a Special Wish Cleveland. And we're also going to be working with some local businesses to try to help them through these trying times as well. So here's my fear with this. And I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we're going to talk about it on Slime Square too. Um, But my fear on this is that if the movie gets delayed any further, anybody that isn't a ghost head, which is what the big, you know, buku major fans of Ghostbusters are called, 
I fear that waning interest is going to hurt this movie by members of the general public that are just like, oh, this is based on the original Ghostbusters movies, Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters 2, and it'd be nice to get the farewell send-off for the remaining characters that are still alive, R.I.P. Harold Ramis. And, you know, the curiosity factor is a little bit there, too. You know, you have Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things that's starring in it, and then you have McKenna Grace, who's also starring in it. You know, and the one trailer that we've gotten, it's pretty apparent in that trailer that they are Egon's descendants. You know, so it'd be nice to get that backstory and everything. You know, but the waning interest from the general public... I'm really afraid is going to hurt this franchise because Sony was banking on this being their big, big movie. And after the flop of the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, they really need this one to succeed. So I understand why they keep delaying and delaying and delaying to get that big theatrical release. But my fear is, aside from the waning interest, that movie theaters are not going to be able to financially recover if they stay closed through the summer. And if we're looking at a fall release for Ghostbusters, there's not a lot of other big movies that are going to be coming out. They're going to keep, you know, those movie theaters alive. And in my area, the movie theaters haven't reopened at all. So, I mean, you can't go to a movie theater right now. Uh, Regal Cinemas has already uh, filed for bankruptcy, and it doesn't look like Regal Cinemas is going to exist anymore. And the very first movie theater I ever went to as a kid was a Regal Cinema. So, I mean, it really stinks that Regal may not be able to financially survive this unfortunate trying time in our country and I have a feeling that Tinseltown, the company that owns Cinemark and AMC theaters, might soon be following suit. And, you know, you have some big major releases through Warner Brothers that are going to be released same day in as theaters on HBO Max. The biggest one for me on that list right now is Godzilla vs. Kong, or Kong vs. Godzilla, whichever way they decide to make the final one. And that's coming out here in just uh, a couple weeks in, in March. And then you have, you know, uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League that's going to be an HBO Max exclusive, which I think is a bad move on Warner Brothers' part. I think they should have tried to go theatrical with that as well. You know, and like I said, those are same-day releases as theaters, but with a lot of theaters not being opened in the United States and Canada because of you know, trying to keep this coronavirus contained, I, you know, the only people that are going to be watching it are going to be watching it on HBO Max. And it hurt Wonder Woman 84 in a big way financially by not having that full-blown theatrical run and having a lot of people watch it on HBO Max. And yes, did HBO Max see a jump in subscriptions because of Warner or because of Wonder Woman eighty four? They they most certainly did, um, and they said that more than half of the of the subscribers to HBO Max did watch Wonder Woman eighty four on its release day on Christmas Day. I was one of them. I logged into my HBO Max and I watched Wonder Woman eighty four. 
Um, you know, I liked the movie. You know, there there were definitely some things that I did not like the mo- about the movie. Kristen Wiig and her portrayal of Cheetah was definitely one of them. It, it almost seems like you have to have that Selena Kyle, you know, circa Batman Returns version of the character if you're dealing with a cat-like character. And, you know, maybe the, the failure of the Halle Berry Catwoman movie had something to do with that. But the... The similarities between the Michelle Pfeiffer portrayal of Selena Kyle in Batman Returns and the Kristen Wiig portrayal of um, Cheetah was very, very similar to me. And then you you bring Max Lord into it, and the guy has actual you know supernatural powers, and you don't use those supernatural powers. You don't. You just use the Dreamstone, which the Dreamstone. You know, is make has been making an appearance in DC Comics recently with the Joker War, um, and not just Joker War, but the Nightwing uh, storyline with Dick Grayson losing his memory after being shot in the head by KG Beast. You know, so I mean, the Dreamstone is actually something that's relevant right now in DC Comics, but I, I just think that they missed a lot of the mark with some of the character development in Wonder Woman 84. Again, I liked the movie. I just thought it could have been more. And, you know, again, I watched it on HBO Max, much like most of the people that watch that movie. And I know Sony is trying to not release these movies digitally due to the piracy aspect of everything. And, I mean, I do know people that um, maintained a copy of or not maintained obtained a copy of wonder woman 84 through nefarious means and you know they said the movie was was awful they didn't like it but you know to each their own when it comes to that movie i know big time comic book fans that didn't like the movie and most of their gripes are the same as mine is that these characters other than the chris pine steve trevor character and you know obviously gal gadot as Wonder Woman were portrayed somewhat poorly. You know, but that's a topic for another time. And, you know, I get not wanting to release digitally to try to, you know, keep the integrity of the film high, you know, but I, I just feel that if these delays with the theaters and everything keep going, Sony may have no choice but to try to release some of these movies like Morbius, like Ghostbusters, you know, and several of their other big hits digitally. And, you know, there's copy protection out there that Sony owns that is very hard to get past and to bypass. And, you know, I think if they can, you know, find some way of making that copy protection, you know, not just affect the sound, but affect the video, which it does on some titles then Synavia might be the way to try to protect the integrity of that and to stop some of the illegal piracy of Ghostbusters, Morbius, and, you know, some of the other titles that they have coming out. You know, so if movie theaters don't survive this, you know, that's going to be our our future for watching movies. You know, people are going to have to sign up with HBO Max you know, to get Warner Brothers releases. They're going to have to probably sign up with Peacock to get Universal releases. Um, 
you know, Disney with Fox, you know, they can use Hulu, they can use HBO, or not HBO Max, uh, Disney Plus. Uh, Paramount has CBS All Access, as it's called right now, uh, as of May, March 4th. It's going to be uh, rebranded to um, Paramount All Access or Paramount On Demand or something like that, or Paramount something Paramount. Um, you know, so, I mean, all these companies own their own streaming service where they could release you know their big budget movies and you know if they have to charge extra for them you know any i would pay extra to see some of them you know um i wasn't that interested in the in the mulan release so i didn't pay the 24.99 that disney plus wanted but i mean i would definitely pay peacock you know 10 15 bucks to watch you know, a big a big budget movie on their service. Um, same thing with the Paramount streaming service. Same thing with, you know, Disney Plus. If it's a movie that I want to see that bad, <clears throat> you know, and I was willing to do it for Wonder Woman eighty four with with uh, HBO Max, even though HBO Max is the is the second most expensive streaming service out there, next to Netflix. You know, so yeah, I mean. There are options out there in case theaters do collapse. Do I see theaters collapsing? No, but there is that possibility if they cannot reopen. And I think summer is going to be the time frame that we need to get these theaters reopened. You know, I went and saw Ghostbusters in the drive-in last year, and it was a dual feature with... Um, uh, E.T. and we didn't stay for E.T. but we did watch Ghostbusters and it was a really neat thing I've never seen a movie um, in a drive-in I haven't seen a movie in a drive-in God since I was a little kid where you know we went and saw What About Bob you know so that kind of dates how long it's been and you know the drive-ins are neat for their own reason you know and the sound technology at drive-ins have definitely gotten better you just tune tune your radio to a, a, a radio station and you get 5.1 surround sound in your car you know so i mean damn that's cool um you know so i mean drive-ins definitely have the opportunity to try to show some of these movies but there's not enough drive-in theaters in the country to get the kind of money that these studios are going to want to see in order to make it a financial enough success to make the future of these franchises survive and so with that we do need theaters to survive I don't get political on the show but I'm just going to say it just so that we can get theaters reopened so we don't lose that great feeling of going to the theater and seeing a movie with an audience on an opening weekend because I do believe that a movie premiere is a shared experience. Because you're going to have those reactions from the other people watching the movie that may or may not influence you. I've seen it happen before and I've actually been a part of it. Where, you know, I actually started a reaction for something that I saw in a movie theater. And it wasn't even for the movie we were watching. It was for a trailer. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything more about that. That will be coming on a future episode of Slime Square as well. But that's all I really wanted to say about the movie theaters and, you know, the potential of losing movie theaters. And hopefully it doesn't happen. And, you know, hopefully we get Ghostbusters Afterlife sooner than later. Hopefully we get, 
you know, there the, theaters can open in enough time for the people to see Kong versus Godzilla on the big screen and some of these other big time major movies that are being delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Gonna take a quick break here and when we come back, Psych 3? It's possible. We'll be right back on Money's Crazy Mind. Do you like listening to podcasts about strange noises in the middle of the night? Have you or your friends or family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Do you want to know what's causing that feeling of dread in your basement or attic? Well, if the answer to any of those questions is yes, then don't waste another moment. Then pick up your mobile device and find the podcast from the professionals, the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. Our friendly, courteous, and efficient staff have put together this podcast for all your paranormal investigative needs. Just search Slime Square, the official podcast of the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters, wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, we're ready to believe you. We are back here on Money's Crazy Mind. And I can't wait for you guys to hear our new Ghostbusters Afterlife episode of Slime Square, which we're going to be putting out here shortly. You know, it really does stink that the movie got delayed yet again, but it's a necessary evil. And, you know, as badly as I want to see it, I want to be able to see it in a movie theater so dealing with the delay um you know the best way we can and that's you know reliving our favorite moments from ghostbusters 1 ghostbusters 2 uh sony is now putting out um the episodes of the real ghostbusters and extreme ghostbusters on the official ghostbusters youtube channel so it's gonna be really neat to see how they do those are they have they enhance them for hd or are they just going to be the same standard definitions that we've had for you know almost 30 years on those well on for real ghostbusters anyway you know extreme ghostbusters was a little bit newer than that but it's going to be neat to see how they handle it especially with extreme ghostbusters i think still available on hulu hmm maybe they won't be for much longer you know, and Sony owns Crackle, you know, so why not release all the real Ghostbusters and Extreme Ghostbusters episodes on Crackle? You know, they have um, Cleaning Up the Town, the documentary that, a really, really good documentary about Ghostbusters on Crackle. You know, it'd be really cool to see it. Those, uh, there. <clears throat> anyway, so rumblings are starting to come out that Peacock is very, very interested in doing a third movie based on the television show Psych. Psych the movie was one of the most watched things on the USA Network when it debuted. Um, Psych 2, Lassie Come Home, was one of the very premier things that Peacock offered when it launched. It's what got me to sign up for Peacock because I love the show Psych. So what would I want to see from a Psych 3? Well, quite frankly, 
something happened in the series finale of Psych that makes me think like there's a huge missed opportunity here. And I don't know if it's because the creators of this other show don't want to do it or if USA Network didn't think it would work or you know if it's some other form of a hang up you know maybe you know certain characters aren't available right now or haven't been available in the past to try to make it happen you know and I'm purposely leaving names out of this until I you know drop my bomb of what I want to see from a third Psych movie. So, the moment that I'm talking about from the Psych series finale, and I know it's been a while since this show has been on TV, but it is available through multiple streaming services. It's available on Peacock. It's available on Amazon Prime. So, if you guys want to go back and relive these moments from Psych that I'm going to mention, or if you want to watch the series finale of Psych and then Psych the movie. They're both available on both platforms. And then Psych 2 Lassie Come Home is a Peacock exclusive. So you would have to get Peacock in order to see Psych 2 Lassie Come Home. Which was a phenomenal movie. And I really like what they did. And they did leave the door open for a possible third Psych movie. So the fact that there's these rumblings at at Universal, NBC, and, and that they might make a third Psych movie that is more than likely going to be a Peacock exclusive. Although I would love to see Psych 2 on USA at some point. So the moment I'm talking about is the very last episode of Psych, where Juliet and uh, Chief Vic decide that they're going to take a promotion to move to San Francisco. So, it got me thinking a little bit, because there was another show on the USA Network that came on the same night as Psych, exactly one hour before Psych. And the cool thing that that USA did, because both of these shows were mega hits when they were on USA, was they did commercials where Sean and Adrian Monk would be together, and Monk was trying to get that 10 p.m. time slot from Psych because... 10's an even number. And anybody that watched Monk knows that even numbers are a very big thing to one Adrian Monk. And for me being a fan of both shows, the one thing that I've always wanted to see and never got, and I was kind of wondering if maybe when they did Psych the movie, if there would be a couple of hints of this, there wasn't. The only thing we got was this tiny little tease at the end of the final episode of Psych where Chief Vic and Juliet hint that they already have another consultant and that he's in the kitchen reorganizing the spices. And obviously when I heard that, I'm like, hmm, there's only one man who would do that. 
that is a crime scene consultant, a detective in his own right, and that is Adrian Monk. So I've always wondered why we never got a Monk and Psych crossover. It would be awesome to see both of those teams, the team of Sean and Gus from Psych and Adrian Monk and Natalie Teeger team up to do a super sleuth solving of a case. So I've done fantasy booking on this for years just because I think it would be so cool. And if I ever go back and decide, you know, I want to watch a couple episodes of Monk, I always end up watching the whole damn series because you can't watch these series without watching every episode, especially in Sykes' later seasons where all the episodes started tying together, where every season was one big storyline, especially when they got into the yin, yin and yang episodes. I, I loved those yin-yang um, season finales that they did for those three seasons that they did it. Um, You know, so what would I want to see? Well... Let's talk Yang for a second. Obviously, Yang, the original Yang, I believe the actor who played Yang is unfortunately no longer with us. But they did have Yang's daughter. And I think that while she was the villain in, you know, that final Yang episode of Psych that they did, but she was also the villain in, in the first Psych movie, you know... I think that she would be the main baddie from the psych world that I'd like to see come back for one final ride. If this does end up being the final ride for all of these psych characters. But you would also need a reason for Adrian Monk to get involved. Obviously, Yang would bring Sean and Gus out enough you know to even not need to up the stakes a little bit but we're gonna up the stakes a little bit we're fantasy booking a movie here so of course we're gonna up the stakes i don't fantasy book sports games i don't fantasy book professional wrestling matches although i've done that in the past i'm fantasy booking two of my favorite tv shows crossing together for an epic movie so who from the monk world would be big enough to make Adrian Monk possibly come out of retirement, if he's retired, or that he would have to put up with the antics of Sean and Gus, for that matter. Two people come to mind. And the two people that come to mind are the only two that are still kind of alive. And Monk only really had that one villain that kept coming back. And that was Dale the Whale Biderbeck. Now, if I can do some fantasy casting and have a dream cast for this, I mean, obviously we're going to get James Dule, or James Roday, Dulé Hill, and all of those main characters back. I mean, they might even be able to drag Corbin Burnson back out to play Henry Spencer, which would be, you know, really, really cool if they did. You know, but if I was fantasy booking Dale the Whale... Two actors played Dale the Whale. The original Dale the Whale was played by one of my all-time favorite actors, Tim Curry. You know, I'm a huge fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Tim Curry's my Frankenfurter. Sorry to the people that saw that redo that Fox did 
a few years ago where they had a female Frank. Great. I've seen the Rocky Horror Show, the stage version, with a female Frank and a female Rocky, for that matter. But Tim Curry will always be Dr. Frankenfurter to me. You know, he went on to play that great role as the hotel uh, manager in Home Alone 2. We love you. Loved it. You know, and Tim Curry as Pennywise will always be my Pennywise, even though, you know, Skarsgård did a great job in those new movies. To me, Pennywise will always be Tim Curry. So if I could fantasy book Dale the Whale, it would definitely be the Tim Curry version of Dale. But unfortunately, Tim's health is more than likely going to prevent him from being able to do it. Even though Dale the Whale is 700 freaking pounds, and Tim could just lay in the bed like he did when he portrayed Dale all those years ago, or even just put him in a wheelchair like they did in subsequent episodes when the new person that played Dale the Whale took him over. But, you know, if we couldn't get Tim Curry, then the other guy that played Dale the Whale, just as great. You know, Dale the Whale, Biter Beck is just... He would be my number one. My number two, I was thinking, and then I had to remember, um, would have been the judge character that Craig T. Nelson portrayed in the final season of Monk when Monk finally solved uh, his wife's murder. Um, But then I had to remember, oh yeah, he shot himself in the head, so... He can't come back. But there is one other person that's very closely connected to that specific character, the judge character, that could come back because he's riding in a jail cell somewhere. And that is Sheriff Rollins, the, the sheriff that set Monk up for murder. And he was working with Dale Biderbeck, and he was also working with the judge. It was more Dale than it was the judge, but we found out that the judge was manipulating Biderbeck and that Biderbeck was in turn manipulating the judge. So, if we can't get Dale the Whale, I want to see Sheriff Rollins. I want to see him come back because he is the one person that came the closest to finally ending Monk. And Dale Biderbeck... Fuck, I mean, bring them both back. You know, I mean, because you can always have, still have that connection between Biderback and him. You know, but if it can only be one or the other, if I can only pick one person from Monk's Rogues Gallery, it would be one of those two. Either Sheriff Rollins or Dale the Whale Biderback. And like I said, I mentioned Yang from the Psych World. So, how would these guys correspond? Well... I'm digging into a little bit of Hannibal Lecter lore here. Pen pals. Either, you know, obviously, you know, inmates can't really pen pal with other inmates, especially if they're in other prisons. Obviously, they're all housed in California somewhere, or you would think. Um, You know, but there's also the personal ads, like uh, the Tooth Fairy used in um, Red Dragon. So there's that, oops, or, you know, some other kind of form of communication, you know, maybe they're communicating through their attorneys, you know, or whatever, 
but have them team up. You know, the the younger Yang, the the female Yang, Yang's daughter, um, and either Dale the Whale or Sheriff Rollins or both. And we all know that Yang loves playing these games with Sean and Gus. And they've kidnapped people in Sean's life before. Yin kidnapped Sean's mother. Yang kidnapped Sean's then-girlfriend, Abigail, and also Juliet at the same time. And then they also uh, kidnapped um, Sean, uh, not Sean's daughter, uh, Chief Vic's daughter in Psych the Movie to try to get the whole gang there that helped arrest uh, the second Yang, Yang's daughter. Um, Helen, I mean, in even at one point, you know, they kidnapped, uh, you know, Yang kidnapped his own daughter as a lure to try to get them to show up. And, you know, they, she had everybody fooled. She had Juliet fooled, Sean fooled. And then when it was revealed that he she was Yang's daughter, you know, the, the shit hit the fan, as they say on TV. <clears throat> so, you know, who would they kidnap? Who would Yang kidnap this time around? I wanted to think of people that a hadn't been kidnapped before by yang but then also somebody very significant to sean and to gus that would make them you know sweat a little bit because yang was sean's greatest adversary and was the one that made sean have to use all of his skills in order to figure out what was going on, where Yang was, and more importantly, how to stop him. And Yang always put those little riddles in there for them. So who would be big enough for Yang to kidnap that would make Sean and Gus have to, to deal with them? <clears throat> Three people came to mind. The first has been kidnapped by Yang before, and that's Juliet. Since now Sean and Juliet are married, you know who better for Yang to get to get her claws on than Sean's wife? You know, and obviously that would make you know Gus want to help Sean because you know they're friends. Then I thought about somebody who hadn't been kidnapped by Yang before. Sean's dad. You know, like I said, Yin got Sean's mom. Sean's dad helped in that investigation to get his ex-wife back. And then, you know, his dad also helped in the second and third go-arounds with Yang when, you know, they got Abigail and Juliet. And then after that, when they got, um, when it was just Yang. You know, Sean's dad has been there and helped Sean through all of this. So why not take away one of Sean's biggest tools, his dad? But then I thought maybe, maybe leave Sean out of this. Maybe this time they go after Gus. Well, Gus is married now too. You know, so why not go after Gus's wife? Or, you know, maybe Gus's sister who who also is connected to Sean because Sean used to date uh, Gus's sister. Um, 
So there's that aspect. Or, you know, even one of the Gusters, you know, one of one of uh, Gus's parents or both of Gus's parents, you know, and that would definitely help bring Sean into it, too, because, you know, you know, Gus is going to sit there and be like, Sean, you got to help me. So then let's look at the Adrian Monk side of it. You know, you now have Biderbeck or Rollins assisting Yang in all these little games. And Dale the Whale is pretty sinister in his own right. And has done things to lead Monk on wild goose chases when it comes to, to clues with Trudy. Or even with assisting in getting Monk set up for murder so that he could be in the same room as Biderbeck. That is what Dale wanted. He wanted Monk right there in prison with him. And obviously the great Adrian Monk was able to thwart Dale Biderbeck just like he had in the past. So what would Dale Biderbeck want to do? Well, he's working with a massive serial killer now. And like I said, Yang likes to kidnap people. So who from Monk's world, you know, would Biderbeck sit there and say, I want you to get this person? That person would get Adrian Monk involved. Just Dale being involved at all is obviously going to get Monk's attention. But let's up the stakes for Monk a little bit. So my first thought was Natalie Teeger, Monk's assistant. My second thought was Sharona, Monk's former assistant, because then you can bring Randy Disher back into the fold. My third thought was maybe Yang's Yang and Biderbeck's first victim was Captain Stottlemyre. You know, we show Leland and, and Karen bombing around a little bit in the beginning, and then ba-bam, something happens. Leland gets shot, or maybe even Leland gets killed. You know, that would bring Randy and Sharona back, too. So there's three people right there. And then I thought, there's got to be somebody else, because I want to see that that Vic Stottlemyre um, connection, since, you know, who knows what happened to Stottlemyre? Why did they bring Karen Vic in in the first place? Did Stottlemyre retire to be with Trudy? We don't know. You know, we got to, you know, let's get some of these questions answered. So I want to see Leland as a character. But it would be interesting if maybe that is what brought Monk out, was Leland gets shot. And, you know, Vic is trying to convince him not to investigate his own case, you know. But, you know, he would still be in the episode and he'd still be working with, with Detective, or, you know, Chief Vic in that way. But, you know. Okay, so what about Sharona? You know, they kidnapped Sharona because of the, the connection between Monk and Sharona. You know, but then that also ties into to Disher. Like I said, since Sharona and Disher are now, you would assume, married. Um, or, you know, the, but then that brings the whole family back together. Because Leland would definitely show up to try to help Monk find Sharona. And obviously, Disher would want to find Sharona. And Natalie, too. And, you know, because Natalie and Sharona had that connection. So if we don't kidnap Natalie, we kidnap Sharona. Then what would happen if we kidnap Natalie? Well, then we have Julie Teeger, her daughter, which would, would bring her into the fold in some way. 
you know, but I want to see, <laughs> it, it's goofy because I'm fantasy booking, you know, and I want to see certain connections. I want to see a connection, at, you know, and see how Juliet and Natalie would play off each other. Because I think those two are very similar characters in that way. In much the same way that I want to see Leland Stottlemyre and Karen Vick interact with each other. So then who does that leave? Well, it leaves Sharona. It leaves Disher. I don't really know if I would see that because... But it's possible. But there's one other person. My, my coup de gras, if you would, from the monk world. We know that Biderbeck was manipulating the judge that eventually killed Trudy and also subsequently was trying to kill the daughter that Trudy was pregnant with from the judge. And if you guys haven't seen Psych and Monk, I'm really, really sorry that I'm giving all these spoilers out, but there's no other way I can explain why I'm putting certain pieces in certain places without revealing these things um so if you haven't seen monk or psych but these shows sound interesting like i said they're streaming in multiple places <clears throat> so you have biderbeck who was manipulating the judge he killed trudy forced her to get an abortion years before you know he thought the baby had died and then gets word years later through biderbeck that she was actually alive and that's when he went after trudy because he was afraid that trudy was going to find out because of the midwife he also had the midwife murdered hmm. nice judge huh so my pick for the big coup de gras moment to bring monk into this crossover would be the biterbeck yang kidnapping of Trudy's daughter. That would definitely bring Monk in. Even if he was retired, he would want to find Trudy's daughter since it is his only surviving connection to Trudy. So, you know, obviously Chief Vic gets word you know, Sean's dad is missing, or, you know, Yang sends a letter like he's done in the past, you know, Monk finds out that Trudy's daughter is missing, let's go with that connection, Sean's dad and Monk and Trudy's daughter, Let, let's stick with that one for a minute, and then, you know, we'll change it around for some of the other characters that I mentioned from Psych, but I really like the Trudy's daughter one. So they obviously, you know, Sean and Gus, Russian, Jules, my dad's gone, Yang letter. You know, Karen Vick, my dad's gone, Yang letter. Because obviously they're going to have to bring it to the police. And this is the first time that Yang has been in San Francisco. Short little, uh, well, it's not water, but beverage break here. Oh, man. I was doing steering wheel karaoke today on my way to work and then on my way home from work, so my throat's a little bit scratchier than normal. So trying to keep it 
moisturized so that I don't get all crackly and start sounding like Will Arnett again. But, so, you know, Sean and Gus rush in, Yang letter, dad missing. Then all of a sudden, in bombs Natalie and Monk. Trudy's daughter has gone missing. I got this letter from somebody named Yang. And then that's what brings Sean and Gus and Monk together. And then they have to investigate what is going on. Why is Yang all of a sudden interested in Monk? We know why she's interested in Sean and Gus and Juliet and that team. But why Monk? And then the taunting from Biderbeck, which Biderbeck must do, starts. So now not only do you have, you know, those guys getting together, but now Monk is even more super pissed because he finds out that Dale Biderbeck is, is involved. As the investigation starts, you know, Monk starts picking up little hints about Sean. That Sean may not be telling the truth about being the psychic detective that he's been pretending to be all these years. Obviously, Juliet knows the truth, Gus knows the truth, and his dad knows the truth, but his dad isn't there right now. So Sean has to start thinking like his father in order to start piecing together some of these little clues that Yang loves to drop. He's relying on new skills since he doesn't have his dad. All he has is Jules, Gus, Cheap Vic, and now Adrian Monk to contend with. And we've seen in Monk episodes in the past, Monk doesn't like being one-upped. So him and Sean are going to be combative with each other in the beginning. And like I said, Monk starts picking up on those subtle little hints when Monk starts doing his hand thing, and he's he's looking, but he's always keeping one eye on Sean because he doesn't want to be bested by Sean. And that's when Monk starts picking up on those hints. Wait a minute, he's just really observant like I am. He's not psychic, he's just piecing clues together. The subtle little hints in the room that I pick up. And if it wasn't for my OCD, I might be picking up on these things as quick as he is. So now Monk is trying to fight his OCD so that he can start picking up on those hints just like Sean. And then they start going back and forth with the clue finding and the things like that. And obviously Sean has seen this before too. When um, the con artist was trying to convince the FBI that she was psychic, but it turns out she was really working with the bad guys at the same time and like i said monk has dealt with this several times before he's dealt with it with a woman that claimed to be psychic and also a private detective that got insanely lucky on a particular case because the call center that his mom worked in recorded all their calls and she listened to every detail about a bank robbery so both of these guys have tried to been bested in the past, and they've both had to deal with that. So seeing those two going at it with as good as they are would be fantastic. And then as Sean starts focusing on Yang, and Monk starts focusing on Biderbeck, and they realize that they have to attack their enemies separately but together, 
the shenanigans that are going to fly would just be awesome. And then, obviously, I think much like they did in the past, once Yang was in prison and it found out that she has this weird, weird obsession with Sean, Sean is forced, since he doesn't have his father, to call Yin. And Yin is like this weird Hannibal-like character in the world of Psych. And then, you know, Monk is just mortified at the fact that they have to go with Yang's former protege in Yin to try to solve this thing. And damn it, now I want to watch Smunk and Psych again. <laughs> just because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm reminiscing about all these great moments. And, you know, Yin helped them solve not only Yang cases, but a, another case as well, which was actually the focus of the first Psych movie. Or actually, no, Psych the Musical. It wasn't Psych the Movie, it was Psych the Musical. Where Yin helped them catch uh, Anthony Rapp's character, who I don't remember, but I remember it was Anthony Rapp because he's Mark from Rent. So, you know, you got to bring Yin in. And Monk is just like, oh my God, I can't believe they're working with a criminal. Why would they work with a criminal? And then, you know, Monk has to go to Dale to figure out things that are going on. And then, you know, they get the, man... You know, he, he stole our idea. Now he's going after, you know, his bad guy. I just think that this would just be awesome to see. And if it's the Sheriff Rollins, you know, aspect without Dale Biderbeck, then, you know, they have to go to Dale anyway to find out why Rollins all of a sudden is coming back after Monk. There's so many permeations and there's so many different things that we could do. And if it's Gus's sister, Gus's sister works for the government now. So, you know, you can bring Juliet's brother who was in the army. You can bring him into it, even though I would rather not see John Cena on my television. You can't see me. No, you're right. I wish I couldn't. You know, so... You know, so many characters from the Psych past can come back in this finale. And I mean, you know, John Cena came back in the first Psych movie at the end. He did not come back in Psych 2, I don't think. But, you know, I mean, there would be, you know, that great aspect. Sean's uncle can escape from prison and help try to get his brother back, you know. Hell, whatever happened to Pierre Despero? You know, can we get Pierre Despero back, too? That would be cool. You know, and in the Monk world, like I said, you know, you got to bring Disher back. you got to bring Sharona back. And if they kidnap Sharona, then that's a great way. But, I'd again, you know, the Natalie-Sharona dynamic in the episode that they did with those two meeting was a lot of fun. I'd like to see that continue on a little bit more. But then I'll add Juliet into it, and you can kind of see how dealing with these hyper in intensive people you know are are working differently monk with his ocd sean with his hypertension to detail but also kind of childlike nature in the way that he him and gus act you know with the suck it and the and you know all that stuff you know there there's so many great things that that you know they can all play off of with each other so yeah if i'm if there's going to be a Psych 3, I would love for them to be able to get USA 
and the people involved with Monk to do a crossover episode or movie, I think it would just be a lot of fun and a huge payoff to the fans. Because there's a lot of psychos out there, which is fans of the show, psych, are called, that were also fans of Monk, Monkophiles or Monkophobes. Um, there's been two different definitions and they actually played with that on the show uh where they brought in monk's number one fan uh sarah silverman i think she's actually the one that came up with the word and then you know the fans just kind of went with it you know and with me obviously i'm a huge fan of both shows i would be you know thrilled to see this and i know other people that were fans of both shows too that you know have dreamt about a psych monk team up before and like i said they hinted at it in the series finale and they always said that they were going to make a psych movie and i'm like ooh, a psych movie are we going to see monk now that they're in san francisco well we didn't and then when psych 2 last you come home was announced i'm like wouldn't it be cool if vic had to rely on monk to solve laster's case because of how close sean gus and juliet are to lassiter I thought I, I just thought that would have been awesome. But it didn't happen. So now with these rumblings that Psych 3 might be happening, man, I would love to see it. I would oh you know, if there's a if there is a television and movie god out there. You already gave me one of my wishes with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Can you make this one come true too? Please, I want to see this. Well, I think that is a sign that this is an excellent place to end this first episode of 2021. Maybe it isn't. Maybe the Richard Jewell one was the first one I did of the new year, but I don't think so because I... I wanted my first episode to be a review of Wonder Woman, but, you know, like I said, life uh, finds a way of stopping me from making both of my shows. So stay tuned to the Money's Crazy Mind channel for updates on both this show and I'm going to be putting up a couple of updates about Slime Square up there as well when you can find the new episode, but also for all information pertaining not only to Slime Square, but all information pertaining to the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters in general, please like us and follow us on Facebook for all your Ghostbusters needs. Next week, I think we're finally going to crack the shell open on my false confessions and coerced confessions episode and we might even talk a little bit about robert durst and you know he didn't give a false confession but he confessed in a weird way and i kind of want to talk about that as well so false confessions coerced confessions and confessions after the fact i think that's where we're going to go with this But until then, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a week.